if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Joining me on the show today, I have Cleo Stiller. Cleo Stiller is an award-winning journalist, speaker, and television host. And most recently, the author of the number one Amazon new release, Modern Manhood, Leo's received a prestigious Peabody Award and an Emmy nomination. She speaks regularly around the country about her work and her social impact. Stiller's work receives frequent press coverage, including the New York Times, Fortune Magazine, Rolling Stone, Mother Jones, PBS, ABC News, The Independent, Variety, and so many more. Today, we're diving into what it takes to be a great man in our society and the conversations and action steps that are required in order to get there. So it's two chicks talking about how to be a great man. I think that it's a great conversation. <laughs> Absolutely leave a rating and a review to let us know how we did. Enjoy the show. Cleo, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I loved our little kind of catch up slash official virtual meeting right before hopping onto this because we were just kind of like talking about how we've circumvented and navigated on the interweb more or less around each other with mutual connections and um, have had little uh, little interactions and comments here or a message there. And I have, from the sidelines, really appreciated your work ever since like you came onto my radar. And so when that sex podcast started to come to life, 
you know, because we had Kaleidoscope Radio several years ago and now a new big launch for that sex podcast. And I was sitting down creating like, who would be my dream people to come onto the show? What conversations do I feel like I could like really have great conversations with people that I admire from where, you know, my little corner of the internet. And I love what they say and I appreciate the stance that they take and the voice and their platforms and all of that. And you were very close to the top of my, I would like to have conversations with these people. And so when you literally scheduled like a week later after the email went out, I was like, yes, I can't wait. So again, thank you for coming on to the show. And I would love if you started off um, by sharing a little bit about who you are and we're going to go in the direction of your book, Modern Manhood. So I would love a little bit about who you are and who Cleo was slash still is before writing a book about modern manhood. <laughs> Great. Sure. So again, thank you so much. Um, I've also been a big fan from afar. So I am a journalist by trade. Um, I've been in in the trade for nearly a decade, um, a Peabody Award, an Emmy Award nominee. Um, and I got my start at Bloomberg cutting financial or uh, covering financial news, but quickly pivoted to being a television host for Univision with a sex show called Sex Right Now with Cleo Stiller. I remember that. Yes. And that show was very specific to its time. Uh, it launched in 2014. And although that was only six years ago, in terms of how our culture has shifted since then, it's almost like dog years. So just to remind folks, in 2014, President Obama was still in office. The Supreme Court had just legalized same-sex marriage. And Tinder was just, just hitting the mainstream. So it, again, dog years, but Tinder was only uh, launched in 2011. So in 2014, you had people in Bloomington, Indiana, just finding out what this was, right? And that created this kind of explosion of the ways that people our age were meeting, connecting, hooking up, stay, you know, staying in relationships in sort of unprecedented ways. And certain STIs in the country were hitting all-time highs. You had the millennials getting the reputation of being the hookup generation. And yet some studies, which were kind of ridiculous anyway, but some studies were suggesting that we weren't having sex at all. So... At that time, then, it becomes so necessary, right, to have a, a show for adults that's kind of benchmarking. We know that this is what you and your friends are talking about, and people all over the country are talking about them, interacting in, with these topics in different ways. But we're going to show you what's happening all across the country with your peers, and we're also going to you know, give you the actual health and scientifically-based information so that you can make the best decisions for your life. So that was sex right now. And we covered topics from reproductive rights, um, body image, gender identity, like certainly the way that technology um, and shifting cultural attitudes were impacting these spaces, right? Okay, so that's the show. And amazingly, amazingly, we got a Peabody Award nomination for that show, which in the world of journalism, it's just like, I mean, it's so epic. So anyway, that was the show. We had that for many years. And that would bring you to 2017. So in 2017, the Harvey Weinstein scandal breaks, right? And a lot of men who were watching my show started writing into me to say, are you going to do a season on this? Because I have so much to say about what's happening right now but I'm kind of afraid to say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. And then inevitably, you know, we would converse a little bit and then they would ask me a question um, that had they asked a couple of years earlier would have seemed really basic. But the way that Me Too has impacted every single aspect of our lives has made it so that the gray areas are not just contained to sex in the bedroom. I mean, they are really people, you know, bosses were telling me, listen, I have a lot of hiring power and I won't cop to this on the record, but I don't want to hire any new female employees. And I sure as hell don't want to mentor my female staff. I had new parents coming to me, dad saying, 
I'm a first time dad with a son and I don't even know what it means to raise a good son anymore. And I had single guys coming to me. Oh my God, I am, I'm on the market again and I am terrified, right? So I'm, and people are probably listening to this being like, yes, this sounds very familiar. So anyway, these questions start piling up in my inbox and I was like, Ooh, this is like, this is a big, this is big. Someone has to do something on this. Um, so the publisher came to me about doing this book. I pitched them in the idea and modern manhood, um, came from that. Literally from the conversations that were happening emails in, in DMS and emails. I mean, they are ripped right from, I mean, that's what I, I, we needed to turn the book around really quickly. So it it just came out in November and, um, I took under a year to report it and write it. And mostly because as soon as it word got out, okay, I'm doing this book. Men came to me in droves like, Oh, do I have a story for you? Wow. So the book is because I'm sure you get this question a lot is how, you know, you're a, a chick writing a book about modern manhood. <laughs> so like, how did, how this, how does these, how do these things make sense? Yes, totally. It's actually the first question I usually get. Why is a woman writing a book about manhood? And the reason why um, is because there are a lot of men who are talking to men about this stuff. And I know that because they would tell me like, I'm in a group chat with my bros and we are debating this to the, you know, like none of us really know what's going on. And on the other hand, I knew that women and survivors were having events and really important um, conversations about where to go from here, right? And no one was taught, neither side was ever the two shall meet. And so again, kind of, as a human, I really see this point that we're in as a turning point and an opportunity for us to upgrade our behavior um, in some really fundamental ways so that things get better for everyone. And I didn't want that opportunity to miss because guys were like, forget this, like, I'm out of here. You know, I don't, I don't want to be yelled at. I'm not being heard. I'm done. And women and survivors being like, you see, they don't care. They just don't care. Right. Right. That sounds like a very relevant conversation for several topics at the current (laughs) juncture, but the whole, the whole cancel culture thing, you know, instead and the impact and intent, and I'm just having all kinds of conversations, um, great conversations, enlightening conversations. Um, and specifically with this one, it, you know, I, I think you know, someone in the, in, um, I will say a celebrity of sorts that is pretty big, even in like kind of the more spiritual music community is getting some backlash right now. And, um, and like my first thought, like my body lit up and I was like, fine, I didn't like his music anyway, canceled. And then I was like, whoa, that was nobody any good. How about (laughs) you know, was it restorative justice or like, how, why, why is the very first thing I think like, you know, I hope you crash and burn. (laughs) Done out. So that's not how to progress the, the conversation. That's not how to get to peace or resolution. So I love that this book has been written. And I love that you said people were uh, reaching out to you are you going to do a season, not just a show, not an episode, but a, a whole season? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Not just an episode, but like, I want you to dig into this. I have a lot to say. And it was like, Oh, you have a lot to say. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be one of maybe just a few in your peripheral that will give you her ear. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Instead of making you get on your knees and now it's time for you to just take this. You know? Yeah, so. exactly. So I would love to talk a little bit about what came out of it, sure. you know, um, you know, how the book came together and, and some of the highlights, you know, of course for me the and this show is all about sex, love and relationships. How do we create epic sex lives and truly deeply fulfilling relationships. And this conversation is a part of that. 
So whether someone is entering the dating field, so I want to like go in specifically for dating or whether people are in partnerships that are pretty new or in partnerships long-term, how do we keep having these conversations or have these conversations for the first time so that we can get to deeper connection, better communication that ultimately leads to an epic sex life and fulfilling relationships, satiating, satisfying relationships that have true depth. So I think that this is a very big piece in all of that. So for anyone who was listening, I was like, why are we talking about Me Too? Or why are we talking about the gray area or whatever? Because this is important. And it's fundamental. Fundamental. And I, yeah, yes. I'm I'm excited to dive in because as a woman who dates men, Mm -hmm. reporting this was so eye-opening for me. in epic way. So, okay, well, but I'll let you start. No, it's great. I hit play. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, well, I can say, I mean, given how you just, uh, you know, put this podcast and its mission into context, the first, um, most important illuminating thing that I learned while reporting this book that I think is so important for anyone who is a man or is in relationship with men, it's, actually came out of the friendship chapter, mm-hmm. um, which was a surprise to me because I wasn't like of all the chapters. So we have chapters on dating, money, sex, work, parenting. Friendship was not the one that I was like, Ooh, I'm very excited about this. But, um, we kept hearing from guys to say, listen, I, have a friend, we all have this friend uh, who says sexist, racist things, and he doesn't mean any harm. We kind of laugh it off. We always have, but given everything that's happening right now, it doesn't feel like that's okay anymore. But I really do not know how to call my friend out without, like, I don't want to lose him as a friend. And also, I don't want him to turn around and look at me and be like, what, are you perfect? So that kind of that what underlies that question is well why did it, why does your friend kind of make these comments right it's locker room talk like why and so then the question became well why do guys do locker room talk mm-hmm. and the reason why is fascinating and also very important for women to understand so what we learned in reporting this is that if you look at little boys and little girls when they're very young, sort of playground age, they actually form friendships in the exact same way. They're super close with their friends and they're hugging their friends, they're kissing their friends, they're whispering in their ear and kind of telling them everything. And then when the little boys are quite young, they start getting policed by their teachers, their older brothers, their older siblings, their parents. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That's not how boys act. That's a girl thing. You don't need anybody, okay? You're on your own, buddy. Um, Don't touch your friend like that. And certainly don't kiss your friend. Mm -hmm. So they get this message very young, right? And then it keeps getting reinforced as they age. And I talked to one researcher. Her name is Niobe Wei, and she's been studying male adolescents for 30 years. So she's got this uh, social experiment that she runs where She gets a group of guys as they're going from eighth grade, heading into freshman year. She pulls them aside and she says, so listen, like, do you have a best friend? And he'll say, oh yeah, definitely. And he can point to his best friend immediately. And she'll say, all right, well, what do you guys talk about? And they talk about everything. They talk about girls, school, parents' divorce, right? That friend knows everything about them. Then she pulls these same guys aside each year as they go through sophomore, junior, and then into senior year. And inevitably, she says, with every guy, by the time they get to senior year, that best friend is now kind of like broader, looser group of buds. And okay, what do they talk about? Girls, cars, sports. She'll say, well, what about your aunt? I heard that she passed away. I'm so sorry. Do your friends know that? No, 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 no. We don't really talk about that kind of stuff. So that's a senior year, right? And then we get men into adulthood and this notion of, and I'm sure, you know, so I have this joke in my family. Dad has no friends. 
mom has tons of friends and dad only has the dog. No. And I found out in reporting this is actually like quite a common phenomenon. And part of the reason why is because when we start pulling young boys aside and tell them not to rely on their friends, not to tell their friends anything, they stop verbalizing their emotions. They stop identifying what emotions they're having. And verbalization is such an important part of cognitive learning that then you forget you have emotions because you never talk about them. Right. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but have you ever been in a relationship with a guy and you're like, just tell me how you feel? Yeah. And it literally, I can see it doesn't compute. Yes. They're deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. And a woman can often be frustrated. Like he doesn't communicate with me. I don't know how he's feeling. And men often feel really attacked and frustrated by this. And it leads to so much miscommunication both for men in their relationships with women, with men, and with themselves, right? And we just put guys in such a tough spot because they get into adulthood. We've told them their whole lives, you don't really need to rely on anyone. You don't really have emotions. That's a woman's thing. And what the hell, right? I mean, all (laughs) humans have emotions. Right. So I feel that knowing that is the first step to Mm -hmm. sort of, whoa, um, coming from a place of empathy um, and softening around communication issues that could be existing between adults, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you think about it, so they're already struggling to identify emotions, to even label what they are experiencing, the sensations in their bodies. And then they're looking in the face of the person that they love the most, that they just want to make happy logically, how do I just get you to stop shouting? You know, it's like, oh, you want me to feel emotions. Just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. You want me to feel angry? Here, I'm angry. Because that's like, well, are we done then? Do we get right. to done after that? But if they're looking at the face of the person that they love the most and that person is frustrated and upset and is angry and they are not able to, literally are not able to give them what they are asking for, then that's going to, again, then negatively reinforce it. Then I'm, I, all of this is bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if they look at someone and they're having a hard time with it and that person registers a deeper knowing and a deeper understanding of where this comes from, that self-awareness, like you said, that softening. And it's really, so this practice um, that I heard, this is for what uh, Dan Doty, who runs Every Man Men's Group, um, this is how he's raising his son, but I, I, I think probably, I mean, I use it now on myself as, as an adult and maybe your listeners can use this as a trick too. But so he's got, he's raising his son and he's very, he knows about this, right? And he does not want to raise his son to not be able to identify emotions in himself or talk or not be able to talk about them. So apparently his son is prone to some hysterics and often has meltdowns. I've also, this poor kid, when he gets older, is going to be like, damn it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks dad. But so his son is often like off the chain. And when that happens, Dan will get down on both knees and look his son right in the eye and say, what are you feeling, buddy? And at this point, his son can now say, I'm feeling sad. I feel scared. And Dan will say, where do you feel that in your body? And he'll say, I feel it in my chest. And Dan will stay with him and say, it's okay to feel that way. And and that, and then his son can sort of sit with that and self-soothe. And I was, you know, when I was doing that interview, I was like taking notes, like this is my new daily routine, basically. Right. right? right. Absolutely. How yeah, I, have a, I have a good friend that is a somatic experiencing practitioner and, and anytime we have her involved, I love having her as an addition to like the coaching programs and just like it, women's circles and everything. Cause she'll be the one that will guide everyone through something like, we'll maybe go through a meditation or something. And she'll say, and then get in touch with first, where's the sensation? Where are you feeling anything in your body? What would you, 
what would you call that? And then like, she'll just ask all these really brilliant questions. And on the other side, it's just like, maybe I'm feeling all kinds of things that would be light labeled negative. But on the other side, I just feel super validated. Like it's okay. I'm good. (laughs) Ah, life-changing, right? For real. The work is so good. And so it sounds like men are becoming aware that this is an issue. But then I imagine that some of them are becoming aware and are really not sure what the next step is. Did some of that come out of modern manhood or was that like some of the things that you found illuminating? Um, that they are looking for a next step, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Some of them I imagine are in a space of like, well, what do you want us to do? Everything is wrong. Everything in my yes. life has been wrong. <laughs> like I, well, what was me, victim? Um, and some of them might be ready to take righteous responsibility for the choices and the actions and righteous responsibility for the things that they didn't teach themselves. Like yeah. I can still take responsibility for that. Like I, I lived that life, yes. And yeah. now I get to determine every step in the direction that I am choosing to take versus what was handed to me as I grew up. So this, you know, I imagine you interacted with all of the, everything in between. Well, I would say for the most part, the majority of the men I spoke to are frustrated that there isn't an answer or a black and white solution to most of the problems or like discomfort that they're feeling, Mm -hmm. which I of course, uh, empathize with. I also, I too wish that there were more simple answers here. Um, I heard a lot of, you know, so like the first question I asked them, right, was like, well, what is, what was your reaction to the Me Too movement? What is your reaction? And, um, you know, it definitely a spectrum because I interviewed men from the age of 18 to 62 from South Central LA to rural North Carolina, you know, to New York, everywhere, right? Um, and again, so a broad spectrum spectrum of reactions, but majority felt, listen, I was in favor of this in the beginning, of course, like take, you know, people who are abusing people in, out of power. But now it's just gone on too long, okay? Enough of the complaining, enough of the airing of grievances, like tell me what to do, tell me how to be better, or let's just move on, right? And what I offered, well, not when I was reporting, I was just listening, nodding, right? But in what the book offers is that um, if being a good man and making sure that your behavior is not hurting someone is actually really important to you, and I hope it is, if that's really important to you, then Unfortunately, there is really no quick fix for this and there are no sort of maximalist um, rules. But what you can do, and we get really like into the nitty gritty in these micro situations that actually like keep, keep happening to people over and over again. But the underlying advice is that all of these behaviors that you were taught growing up and you didn't really question them, this is actually the time where you're going to have to start really interrogating your behavior um, that you do on autopilot. Because if you're not sure why you did it, and the only reason you can say, well, I did that because like, that's how I was taught, that's, that's not going to work anymore. And, it could, and it's going to get you in more uncomfortable situations. What I recommend instead, and I'll, so, sorry, First, I'll also just say the thing about um, like typical tropes of like being a man, quote unquote, or being a woman, for a lot of people, they never fit. Like those didn't feel super authentic anyway. Right. And right. I mean, like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the beauty of this time is that um, we can actually take this opportunity to say, you know, this, some of these lessons, some of the um, the honor and nobility that we associate with chivalry. Like, I still really like that. So I'm going to keep that. But some of these other aspects I'm going to leave behind. And so take, for example, the conundrum of whether to hold a door open for a woman Mm -hmm. coming up behind you. That, this is like an urban legend at this point. You know, I heard so many times like, okay, it didn't happen to me. But it happened to a buddy of mine. He held a door for a woman and she flipped out. Like, what the hell? 
do I hold the door open or do I not? It's like, I get it coming and going. And that kind of, I mean, this feeling of like, I get it coming and going is I just heard from a lot of men. And so this question of, okay, well, why do you hold the door open for women? Because we have this idea that men should hold the door open for women, but some women don't like that. Some women do. So the question really is actually, do you want to hold the door open for the person coming behind you? Right. I think you should. (laughs) I mean, it's up to everyone, but I would recommend holding the door open for anyone coming up behind you, regardless of if they're a woman or a man, because it's the right thing to do, right? Right. And if you don't want to hold the door open for the person coming up behind you, that's probably good information to have about yourself. Right. Okay? So say now you've done that kind of like, this can take you a minute, right? What kind of person do I want to be? Why am I holding this door open? Okay, I hold the door open because that's how I show up as a good person. That's important to me. So then say you do hold the door open and some wild person flips out at you for holding the door open. You've already gotten really clear about why you do what you do. And so that interaction is actually not going to phase you as much, right? Because you right. can walk away from it being like, have a good day. <laughs> you I'm know, I keep holding the door I'm for people because the door. <laughs> that's the type of person I am and I care, yes, right? Exactly. Right. And this becomes so much, I, because what I heard from men is they are so frustrated with how, you know, disempowered and confusing everything is. And yes, it's going to be an uncomfortable time. You're going to mess up. You're going to hurt people's feelings unintentionally. But one thing you can do that will feel very empowering is to start getting really clear on why you do what you do. And if it's like, Ooh, you know what? That actually, that doesn't really, I don't know why I do that. Like, that's a little bit creepier. Like that's like probably not based on like the best thought. You can change your behavior and you'll be confident about that. And if you are sure, no, that's how a good person shows up. Do you be confident in that as well? Mm-hmm. And okay. if you just think shitty things and you're a shitty person. And, right. Uh, <laughs> then own, good own, information to have about yourself. Own that too. You yeah. know? <laughs> be, be where you're at unless you can understand that you can be better and then be better. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> And it's crazy. I mean, that, that the conversation gets to be that elementary to make that deep of a point. Like you, you get to take that introspection, have that introspection with yourself to determine what are your values? What are the, the, what's the constitution of you? What type of person do you want to be day to day? Whether you're communicating with men, women, other, et cetera, around you, what type of person do you want to be? And um, you know, that's, that's a thing, like you said, is the white, white, black binary once, once the, what is the way through? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But each person that you interact with, right. That doesn't leave room for nuances and humanness. Yes. And, and this is, yeah. sorry. So when I've taught like a workshop, um, in a professional setting, cause we do have a chapter on work. I always ask this just to show people, I ask the people, um, in the group, Raise your hand if you like to be complimented on your appearance while at work. Very controversial uh, question. And, but inevitably, some percentage of the room raises their hand. And then I say, raise your hand if you find that very uncomfortable. And also, a certain percentage will raise their hand. And that's just to show people that There is no blanket rule for this, right? And so you actually have to get really clear on your own behavior of how you're showing up because what I hear all and over again, you know, we'll bring it back to romance is like, I just feel like I go on, you know, if I'm in partnership with one person, they like it this way, then I, so I change my behavior that way. Then someone else likes it differently. I just don't know. And again, what I offer is like, if you get really clear on how you're showing up, you don't need to be with the whole world, right? You can all, you can be clear and you can align with someone who also wants to receive that exact behavior, right? And if you don't know, 
have a conversation. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, Hey, I would love to give a compliment, give you a compliment if you're open to receiving. I mean, I know it might sound kind of crunchy at first (laughs) out of your mouth, but if you practice it, you know, like, Hey, I'd love to give a little joy your way. If you're open to receiving that or something, you know, it can, it can look a lot of different ways Just say, I just would like to compliment you. That color that you have on really compliments your eyes and you're radiating. I hope you have an amazing day. Fuck. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. That is a beautiful way to be complimented. Be like, Oh, you look really good in that skirt today. No, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. give me a little bit more than that. Show your humanness and that I'm, I'm not being objectified even though sometimes being objectified can be softened in a way that's feels yeah. really empowering. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm going to take that little oomph and I'm going to go, you know, write my heart out or whatever the job is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. And I love that you mentioned, uh, the chapter on work because that is one of my questions, um, that, for people who are navigating this space, they're, you know, curious, let's say in the phase of, I want to do something more about this. I want to have better relationships. Um, I'm paying attention to what life has been, has been gifting me up to this point. Now I'm wanting to take maybe some of that shit and turn it into gold, um, or whatever. Yeah. I just want to, or maybe they're, they like what, what they've been given and they want to do even better, you know, commend those people as well. Um, what does some of the work look like? You know, I have my partner, Jordan, who I am so grateful to have him in my life. This person who will talk about sensations so that he can get to labeling emotion because that's as far that that's, that's his, his way in. Uh, Mm. because just to say a feeling is difficult. Mm. Uh, Like I, I, I don't know. I'm fine. That's, you know, our relationship, that's not going to cut it. So, and he knows that. So he will start with sensation. He'll describe his breathing or his heart rate or though his body language, he'll just describe those things so that he can get to more or less a feeling so that we can move through whatever might be coming up. And he, um, he runs men's groups and he is a big, um, he loves rites of passage and Mm -hmm. bringing men together. So he was in a fraternity, um, at San Diego state. And that was, its own kind of rite of passage and initiation. Oh, sure, experience. yes. You know, as this, you know, his Instagram handle, his brand is called Conscious Bro. So as the Conscious Bro, love it, love it, hilarious. Um, he likes to put a conscious twist on some of those, some of those things, like the rite of passage and the initiation experiences. And so I love watching him with men, um, mm. where he like goes in, and he does these programs, or he'll do retreats and things where men come to him and are like, I just something's got to give. So I love getting to be first, like to see firsthand what some of that work looks like. But I think for the everyday average person, they're like, I don't even know. And like handing that person a book is not probably not going to go very far either. So I'm curious what came up um, in the book as far as the work is concerned. Well, the work chapter itself focuses on how to behave in the professional work setting. Um, And so versus doing inner work doing inner work. Exactly. So what I would recommend for someone, if you were interested in picking out modern manhood, um, is that there is going to be this sort of sweet spot for you, right? Like you're going to have this, um, pain point in your life. Maybe it's in relationship or, um, in parenting or in your friendships. And you can focus there on that specific chapter, but like, say for example, This is interesting because I actually don't think I've given this advice like this before, but in the broadest terms, if you are feeling not heard, not seen, frustrated and misunderstood and isolated, you are among the masses. You are truly among the masses with this. And um, first, I, I just want to say that because I, I don't think enough people know that um, for people who work with men and in the space of mental health, it's very well known that there is um, what they call a crisis of masculinity. And I, 
I never use the term toxic masculinity because I don't believe in that. And I also have, I know how men feel about that term. So it's not what we're talking about. It's actually this, um, and I can't say the word pandemic these days either. So I mean, it's, there is something um, that experts are aware of called a death of isolation. And these are deaths attributed to suicide, drug abuse, and alcohol abuse. And they are extremely on the rise among men in particular. And the reason why is because we tell men, we have put men in such a difficult place in this time, in this world, where they're supposed to hold everything. They're supposed to lead not rely on anyone but themselves. And that pressure would break anyone. And so if you are feeling, again, frustrated or unseen, not appreciated, misunderstood, again, know this is an overwhelming feeling that many are having. And there are so many ways that you can start to free yourself from this, but perhaps um, maybe realizing that um, the word, I heard this while I was reporting actually, that the word brave um, at its Latin root um, means vulnerable. Mm. And it's so interesting because when you think brave, I think if like anything comes to mind, most people would think of like going to war or fighting or, um, but vulnerable is certainly not the first thing that most would think of. And truly that um, this is such a time where most people are open to connecting and everyone's life is very different and the people in their lives are very different, of course. So again, hard to give maximalist advice, but if you have a friend and your friend, your kind of like go-to style is to grab beers and watch sports or work out together and just kind of shoot the shit, but you're you've got kind of more on your mind and you don't, you haven't really brought it up because that's not what you guys do. Sometimes I heard from some men, what they do is um, they'll like shoot their guy friend a text ahead of time and be like, Hey, like looking forward to seeing you. Like I've got some stuff. I just wanted to like some stuff on my mind, like looking forward to talking. And that just kind of gives a little heads up over text that this isn't just going to be shooting the shit. Um, and I invite you to open up to your friend in just a little way that feels comfortable for you, because you'll probably be surprised that your friend also has something similar that they can share as well. And if you're talking about a romantic partner, um, to know that generally speaking, um, from the women that I interviewed for the book, there is a heightened awareness and sensitivity going on for for women and non-binary folks right now as well. And they, by and large, are really wanting to connect. Um, so there you go. That would be my, that would be the work. I love it. It was very affirming. I don't <laughs> usually work one-on-one with men on their own. Sometimes they're a part of group programs. A lot of times they're a part of some of my group programs, but there's been a couple that I've been just so impressed by that have shown up and, and, you know, have something going on in their life. And it's just every day that goes by where they feel like they can't say the things that are on their heart and their mind to a person that knows literally everything else about them, mm. but not some of the deeper things. Like that was something very, very recently, a client actually of Jordan's that is connected with us from like our roots back in new Orleans and has a very unconventional relationship Mm -hmm. as a triad, Mm. but has very deep Southern. It's supposed to look a certain way and, and is having a hard time coming in a sense out with this several year love. And they live together. It's like having a really hard time coming out about that to 
their community that they grew up with. And the best friend didn't know that that was, they had other friends that could know because they were like not connected to the, the, you know, the, the OG family and the community that they come from. And, um, and that was the thing that for Jordan and I, we got on a call with him and was like, Hey, like, let's, let's map out all the ways that this could go. Yes. All of them. Like, cause the discomfort that you feel right now that you're feeling literally every day that you don't have this, which discomfort is worse. Keeping that every day that you wake up thinking, I just need to get this off of my chest so I can, I can experience some sense of liberation from this stuff that is keeping my mind and my heart in Kate in a cage, yes. you know, and, or suppressed is that discomfort every day. I think that compounded discomfort is way worse than actually having the conversation because then the other side of these hard conversations where you're deeply connecting and experiencing varying sensations and emotions and all the things, what you come through on the other side is a greater, is having a greater sense of who you are stepping more fully into your identity versus the ego that has been building over your lifetime. You know what I mean? And that's very, that's challenging. Fuck, that is so hard, you know, on any level, that's so hard. So I love hearing you say that. That was great advice and so simple. It's like, send that person a text and just be like, hey, like I may or may not share some shit with you. Yep, yep. (laughs) just a little close up. Yeah, yeah, it came up because I I said, I was like, well, why send the text? Why not just like bring it up? And the, and the guys I talked to, they were like, well, you know, if you've got this established pattern of being like super chill and you unveil something deep without a heads up, you, you don't want the guy to be like, whoa, whoa, well, I'm not, hold on. We're, but a little bit of a heads up. I mean, again, and this is, yeah. um, yeah, so yeah, for sure. Because otherwise, I mean, if you let them know ahead of time, then maybe when you actually go to have a conversation you'll be more inclined, I think, just generally speaking, to actually have a conversation because you need the heads up. Because if you get in your old pattern and routine, it's like maybe next time. Right, right. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. Or you just get there and you just verbally dump all of this stuff (laughs) and the person looks at you and is like, great, want a beer, you know, or like, are you ready? Do you want to go get tacos? You know, but otherwise you give them permission to show up as their full human. Like, sure. oh, you have a thing that you, that is important to you. So I'm going to show up hopefully with yes. a deeper sense of presence. Yes. Yeah. Good shit. It's a really delightful conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And so when people pick up modern manhood, what can they expect to, what's the journey that they get taken on? Well, I don't know. I hope that comes off in podcast interviews. I never know, but I'm a fun person. I'm a lover of fun and laughter and um, a little bit of mischief. So the book, of course, is dealing with serious issues, but we deal with it in a way that isn't like, like some other really critical books that we're all probably reading right now that are like going to just drag you through the mud. You have mm-hmm. to be doing that. But modern manhood, I like to call chocolate covered vegetables. So each chapter starts out with a personal story from a guy across the country who came to me, who was like, do I have a story for you? And then that story kind of encapsulates, you'll read it and you'll be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know about that. Mm-hmm. And then um, you'll get information about how we got here, why we got here. And what other people are doing to kind of up-level their behavior around this um, topic. And I knew that people that reading this book, again, they were going to come from all over the country. So their, their attachment to masculinity and femininity, whether they're traditional or like completely um, non-traditional, is, was going to vary. And so as a reporter, I trust my audience to be autonomous smart people. Never in the book do I tell you what to do at all. I just give you the information so that you can make the decision that's right for you. The book is the number one new release on Amazon. We got covered by Rolling Stone, Fortune Magazine, The Independent, Mother Jones, ABC News, Alan Alda. I just talked to about it. Um, So like, it's a really great conversation. It's kind of happening everywhere. Um, And if people do get it, I would love to hear from them you know, what stood out, what did they disagree with? 
So is that the way that you would prefer people to find you is find you through Amazon when they order the book, read the book and then reach out? (laughs) Yeah, let me know what you think. And it's like available in all forms. I mean, I love hearing from people being like, ooh, that parenting part, that was tough. Or, you know, I so get in touch, definitely. Well, I am so excited to dig in. Admittedly, this podcast came together very quickly. So I was only able to skim a couple of the sections that really stuck out to me, i.e. the sex section. (laughs) Um, But I am so excited. I am an audible listener and I also um, can't wait to put the physical copy on my collection on my shelves. So Cleo, thank you so much for being on the show, for having this conversation, for Um, Like you said, I love that chocolate covered vegetables. Mm. So it's like, yeah, I want to get real. I want to learn. I want to hear. I'm here for it. Um, And if there's a little bit of mischief and a little bit of humor and definitely that realness um, interwoven within it, um, then, you know, for me, and I'm sure so many people out there are more inclined to really absorb it. And for me, um, with this podcast, if it is any, if it is any thing like, my community space online, that sex group, formerly the Kaleidoscope, um, or if it's my Instagram following or anywhere else, it's probably about 65% women. Yep. Uh, and and then that makes sense. So I, I imagine that there's quite a few, you have quite a big group of, of people who are absorbing that message that are women who are looking to translate that into their relationships, have more empathy, soften, um, I believe, you know, it, like I was saying before, the the basically the amount, how I show up in attempting to understand or really truly wanting to understand the, the men that are in my life, mm-hmm. then I feel better. I can relax. I can soften. And then they can show up in that space with me softer where I'm creating that safer container. They have the ability, they have the option to step into more of their greatness. So I... I love, yes, it is called modern manhood, but I imagine that the people who are listening, if we have a vast majority of women here, I will encourage you so that you can find, you can find aspects of who you are deeper, deeper understanding, deeper knowing so that you can show up more of you as the woman that you are. And then the men that are listening and any person at all, if you love men, then get in on the conversation. Don't be afraid to have the conversation. Um, like Leo said, figure out who you are in the midst of it all, your values, like I said, what's your constitution, yes. and then move forward into the world with that. And uh, if you fuck up, then awesome. You're at least trying. Keep going. <laughs> Could not have thought it better myself. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Cleo. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.